Hi, good morning. My name is Michael, one of the pastors here at the church. How are you doing? Okay, a couple of things. One, it is the first season of Advent. Um, you might not have been aware of that, but it is indeed the first season of Advent. Um, you ask where our Advent wreath is? Um, uh, sanctuary. I don't know. <laughs> we actually, I actually really forgot that today was the first season of Advent, and someone reminded me this morning, which is odd because I already have my Christmas decorations up. Anybody else? Who's got your Christmas stuff up? Well done. We're doing it today. Good. All right, good. All right, good. You know, the rest of you, get on the ball, okay? Um, You know, it is the first season of Advent. You might have been out on Black Friday um, crazily shopping. Um, Today is Save Someone Sunday. Um, You know, and so we are, we have the more store available. And that that little clip from Three Amigos was um, to kind of draw attention to uh, the water, um, uh, obviously, in that part. And uh, there are, um, I, I don't even, I can't remember the number, but it's a huge amount of people that die every year uh, from lack of clean water. Simple lack of clean water to drink. You know, we complain that our water is too hard and that it leaves spots on our glasses in San Antonio. And yet there are people in this world who would um, give anything for the kind of water that we have. Uh, for them, it is, it's either, one, not an option or two, a very dangerous route, a uh, long and dangerous route to go and get water. Um, they estimate that the problem of getting clean water to, uh, to people, to everyone in the world, is a solvable problem in our lifetime. Um, it's a problem that we could fix if we just got the right resources together in the right way and went to the places where they desperately need this water. Um, I, I just thought of this thing and. Uh, there was a Sam Kinison. He was a, a comedian a long time ago, and uh, he had this routine where he said, "It's a desert. Get him a U-Haul. Move." Um, was his solution to? Uh, it was back when they always talk about uh, starving kids in Ethiopia. And I was just thinking about that. And I'm like, no, that's actually not a solution. Um, we need to help. And so this is one of the ways that we are choosing to do this uh, through the Moore Store. We've done this for the last couple of years. It's our third year doing it. Um, And what we're doing is we're offering you, as you're uh, shopping for Christmas presents for your family and friends, an option to buy something that's more than a gift. Uh, You might have seen Daryl and uh, and AJ was wearing one, and I think um, Jordan over there had one of the T-shirts on today, and Lawrence, um, it said more than a shirt. That's just this year's T-shirt. It says more than a shirt, and on the back it talks about um, uh, what we got from Living Water International, um, the problem with, uh, with lack of clean water in the world. Um, and so what we do is we have turvis tumblers this year, stuff from last year, camp chairs. Uh, the proceeds that we make from this, and it's a very good portion of it, go towards drilling water wells through a, an organization called Living Water International. And we just want to give you an opportunity to, instead of going out and getting a gift card for someone, say you're going to spend 30 bucks on a gift card, why don't you come and spend $30 on something um, at the Moore store, and you could give it to them. And attached to each one of those things is a card that says, um, not only did you get a gift, but you helped ha- um, someone is getting clean water um, because of this. We're helping to drill water wells um, around the world through this. Um, we, my wife and I, have done this the last couple of years for our nieces. We, uh, we get them because we never know what to get them. Um, and they're now one in high school, one in junior high, and I still have no clue uh, what to get them, even more so this year. And, and so we're going to do what we did last year. We're getting them something from the Moore store. Um, you know, maybe a T-shirt, maybe one of those tumblers, and, and fill it up with candy, and 
and hand it to them and we can talk about last year we had a conversation about clean water um, at Christmas time with our family, which is really cool uh, to do that. So it's just a way to encourage you um, instead of just blowing your money on something that will stay in a closet. Um, you may buy a camp chair here and it may never see the light of day, but the proceeds went to drill a water well somewhere. Uh, there you go. There's that. Uh, secondly, December 4th is next week, and uh, we will be doing something we've done for the last few years as well, going over to the Respite Center, the Respite Care Center over in Monta Vista area. There's about five houses now that they have. And what they do is they take kids with special needs or their siblings um, in, and they live there with those homes to give um, the parents a break. Sometimes parents um, aren't able financially uh, to take care of those children or for whatever reason, something happens and those kids need to be um, out for a while. Uh, This is a place where they go and they find love and they find um, shelter and they find um, support. And uh, and so we have been involved with them for for quite a few years now. And uh, we're going to do this year what we have done for the past years. Go over there immediately following this service. Everybody just drives over to Monta Vista area where the restaurant houses are. We'll have maps. Um, we'll have pizza. Then we do arts and crafts, play with the kids. Some of you, some of you will um, decorate the houses. There are, as I said, five houses now. They have each, each house has its own little Christmas theme. And, uh, and we've knocked it out pretty quick in the past few years. And it's a, a great thing to, to go and experience what they're doing over there, but also uh, just a great way to, to bring your kids and your kids can play with their, any of the kids in here been over there and played with some of them. Okay, some of the big kids have, and is it y'all have, right? Yeah, they have. Um, yeah, it's a great thing to, to be involved in. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then third, yeah, this is announcement Sunday. Get over it. It's Advent. This is what happens. Um, it's the Advent of the announcement. Uh, we, uh, we, we have those two boxes in the back. Those are our offertory pillars, if you will. Um, and we, we never mention them. Uh, rarely do we mention them. Uh, and we don't pass a plate in here. That was something that when we started this service um, 11 years ago, uh, we decided we did not want to pass a plate in here. That's not part of our DNA. And so we have stuck to that. Uh, but we do operate in a financial world. And our ministry operates through um, resources, monetary um, and so I listen to this church out of Michigan all the time. And one of the things they always say, their pastors say at the very end, is uh, they sign off by saying grace and peace. Um, the joy boxes are in the back. And I've always laughed at them when they said the joy boxes, because that just sounds silly to me. Um, the joy boxes, we go in there and it's a box of joy. You know, um, it just sounds silly to me for whatever reason. It's just me, I know. Uh, but um, the other day I was listening to one of their sermons and the pastor said, you know, we don't pass the plate. Kind of similar to what I did. He goes, but we don't want you to give out of guilt. We don't want you to to give because you think you have to. We want you to give out of a sense of joyfulness, that you feel like the ministry that we do here is good and you want to be a part of it and you're joyful about that. Um, And so uh, at the 930 service, we deemed it so that these boxes were, were, you know, we're stealing it from them. I think they'll be okay with that. Henceforth shall be known as the joy boxes. And uh, we will make a great effort. Every Sunday, either myself or Daryl or August, oh my, will mention the joy boxes in the back. We want you to give um, joyfully, though. Uh, it's not something that we ever want to guilt you into because that is one of the biggest criticisms of the church is that all we want is your money. We don't. Um, we want your money. <laughs> but we want other things as well. Uh, so 
Just kidding. There's the joy boxes in the back. Now we're in Matthew 21. And I have to say, uh, Matthew 21, 18, um, this is a section of scripture that I have dreaded um, preaching on. And um, as inevitable as uh, it is, it comes. And because we are going through verse by verse, I couldn't have gotten away with skipping over it. Because uh, somebody would have gone, there's some of you in there that would have gone, uh, you missed the fig tree. Uh, so here we are, we're at the fig tree. When last we left Jesus and the disciples... They came into Jerusalem. Jesus makes his big entrance into Jerusalem. They misinterpret why he is there, how he has come. Uh, He goes into the temple. He gets a little angry. He throws some tables over. He heals some people. He's tired, so he goes out to Bethany for the night. Now, here we are, verse 18. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs on it, but there were only leaves. Then he said to him, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I assure you, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may God lift you up and throw you into the sea and it will happen. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Okay. Neither one of those sections do I actually even want to preach on. But here we go. First, the fig tree. Now, an interesting thing about fig trees. Uh, when, when Jen and I moved into our new house three years ago, we, uh, we were checking it out. We go into the backyard. There's this huge bush or medium-sized tree um, right behind the master bedroom. And uh, it's really pretty. It has got these huge leaves on it, just like this. Um, Stacey got a picture of it. Well, that's not the huge leaves. There's the figs themselves. But they have these huge leaves uh, on there. You can see one, yeah, in the bottom right corner. Uh, it, it, they get really large. Uh, hence, Adam and Eve. What do they cover themselves with? Fig leaves. There you go. Because um, so, they're big and they can cover things. So you have these, these huge leaves. And look, I'm not a, uh, a, a green thumb by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't like yard work. Uh, ask my wife. You can drive by our house on any given weekend and you will see her Mowing the lawn and doing the weeding and such like that. And myself sitting on the front porch swing watching her. Um, Because that's just how we roll. Uh, And and so I don't like doing this, but I see this tree and I'm intrigued. I'm like, what is this? And I think it was Granny that told us, um, that's a fig tree. And I'm like, a fig tree? We have a, we're farmers. You know, we have fruit growing in our yard. Excellent. Um, We move into the house before uh, or after all the the fruit had, uh, had come and gone. And so we didn't know anything about it, but I saw the leaves. They're big. They're great. They're wonderful. Next year, um, here, here come the, the trees. The, the leaves all go away. I don't know this, so I start freaking out that I've killed the fig tree. Um, but then they came back, so I was very happy because, uh, you know, trees do that. I don't know if you all know this, but they drop leaves at one point during the year. We've lived with live oaks my entire life. I didn't know this. Uh, so we, we come, and here comes this, these green things starting to sprout. And you can see the, the green little ones. Now, let me give you a a lesson that I have learned. Um, Those green ones, they don't taste good. They're not right. Okay, you cannot bite into one of those. I have done this. It's horrible. It leaves like this film on your teeth and you just go in and brush your teeth. It's nasty. The other thing, when you pick one of those little green guys off, it bleeds this white oozy stuff. Also not sweet. Not good. My knowledge of figs is what? 
in Newton form, right? Fig Newtons. I mean, who knew that? I, I don't. There's the, these Newtons. I didn't even know it was a real fruit. Really, I guess um, that's not true. But we, we have these these figs. So you have to wait till they get brown and nasty looking like that, and then they are good to eat and can go in any kind of Newton shape you would like. Now, another thing I learned. And, and I learned this more as, as I was reading about this, is, is I, I realized that it happens in our tree, is figs produce two crops a year. It's amazing. It's the only tree that does this. It produces a first crop of figs um, on the old growth of wood. And then as those are going through their little process, the new growth of wood starts coming out, and then it flowers. So it leaves flowers and fruits all at the same time which is an interesting biological phenomenon. And, and so you have two crops of figs. Now, we um, apparently word is out that we have this ginormous fig tree and the squirrels and the birds hit us every year. And it's just so we know, we've actually only gotten like five figs off of our tree. Uh, if you know of any ways to keep them away besides like lethal injection, and I'm not opposed to that with squirrels, um, talk to me afterwards. But uh, so you have this, this two type of crop rotation. The thing about it is, they only begin to bear fruit in late April. No fig tree bears fruit at any time before that. They are late April, then through the summer. Keep that in mind. Jesus walks across this fig tree, leaves no fruit, makes it wither. Okay, let's stop right there and say this is a little out of character for the man who heals the lame, who makes the blind to see. Those who are suffering, he brings up. He doesn't look at you and go, you know what? You look pretty healthy. Wham! Not necessarily the message of the gospel. So what's happening? There's got to be a reason. It wasn't just that he hadn't had his morning coffee and he was angry, you know. There's got to be something going on here. So he's, he's walking along. Now, the two accounts of this story are in Matthew and Mark. Mark has it that it doesn't wither immediately, but it withers the next day. Luke has a similar account to this, but it's a parable. It, it's a story of um, a, a fig tree farmer who essentially has a tree, doesn't bear fruit. He, they t- say get rid of it. He's like, no, let's have mercy on this tree. It'll bear fruit. It'll bear fruit. So they give it mercy. Uh, same thing happens the next year. No fruit begs for mercy, gets the mercy. The next time they're like, you know what? It's done. Cut it out and get rid of it. Burn it. Gone. So you have this whole fig thing going around. And what you need to know about figs, if you don't already know this, is it was an important fruit in the life of the Jew. It was what the spies brought back showing this is what the promised land looks like. It's full of, and that was one of the things, figs. Great. It was a tree that was known... In, in Deuteronomy, one of the laws is anytime you walk by a fig tree, if there's fruit on it, fair game. You can eat it. It feeds the nation of Israel. It, it was known to be huge and have it cast a great shadow and people you would find in the desert shade. If you remember, where was Nathaniel found by Jesus? Under the branches of a fig tree. So the fig tree is interwoven in the story of Israel. Here comes Jesus. He walks by this fig tree and he does something which we seem we think is out of character. And he curses this fig tree. Curses. The fact of the matter is the fig tree would not have had fruit on it at that time in the first place. When Jesus comes to Jerusalem, he is coming to celebrate 
Passover. Passover at this time would have been celebrated April 15th, April 16th, right around then. No fig tree would have had fruit on it until a few weeks later. Which makes what Jesus does that much more, huh? Because he's walking up to a tree. You have no fruit on Well, of course I don't have fruit. I'm not supposed to have fruit. I'm just a fig tree. I can only follow the laws of a fig tree. And the fig tree's laws say I'm not supposed to have fruit for two weeks. Yet he comes up to this barren tree that only has leaves. So what's going on? Was he just angry? Or, or was it the fact that he grew up in nature, he knew nature, and he saw something in that tree that told him, you know what, this tree's done. I, I can look at this tree and see that there is no green little bud, because at this time, the green little bud should have been coming out. You would have had the leaves, yes, and you also would have had these little uh, pointy green things popping out that will then become into these bulbs. And so maybe he sees this. Maybe he sees some sort of disease going on in the tree, and he's able to understand, you know what, it ain't going to work. Or maybe he really did. Maybe he really did. I don't think the action in and of itself is the message. I think the message lies a little bit deeper than that. I think what was happening is, is Jesus sees this opportunity to teach his disciples as rabbis always did. And he sees this object that should be bearing fruit. And for whatever reason, he knows it's not going to. He calls his dad's shot, I guess. He knows it's not going to. And he says, useless things, essentially, have no place in my kingdom. If you remember, Jesus just came into Jerusalem. Just made his triumphal entry. People start throwing their cloaks down. They wave the palm branches. They're screaming, Hosanna, save us. They're screaming these military cries, hoping, thinking, believing he's going to be this military leader who comes and saves them violently. And if you remember, he, he weeps because they don't get it. Yes, he is the Messiah and he is coming to bring salvation, but not that way. Not through violence, but through sacrifice and love. And then he goes into the temple and he sees the corruption that's going on and and the fact that they're preventing people from having access to God. And he gets angry and he casts those people out and he throws tables over and he allows in the people who have been excluded, maybe if by not law, but by practice, the blind and the lame. And he brings them in the temple and heals them right there. He's turning everything upside down. The very fabric which Israel believed they were were created by. He's turning it upside down and saying, this isn't how it is. And so he comes to this fig tree, this this piece of fruit that is interwoven in the history of Israel. A symbol of the promised land. It's as if to say that tree is Israel, the religious institutions, and they don't bear fruit. So he has no place for them in the kingdom. The institution had lost its way. The religious leaders of the day were not bearing fruit. 
They might have looked like they should have been. They had leaves. But because they were just talking the talk and not walking the walk, he wanted nothing to do with them. It rings down through the generations to us. Are we just an institution with a cross on the top of our building? Are we just an institution that has lost its way? And while we might have pretty leaves, if you look deeper and closer, we have no fruit. Have we lost our relevance in the kingdom of God? It's not just institutions I believe that he's speaking to. I think it's personally as well. Do you have leaves on you that make people think you're a believer in Jesus Christ? But if they look more closely, they realize that you're not. Here's the thing. Do you see on yourself leaves, but you've never looked to see if there's fruit? William Barclay writes this account of Gandhi when when Gandhi, before he started his entire spiritual journey, um, he spent a lot of time with Christians and he really investigated Christianity. And he went Sunday after Sunday to this church in India. And he writes that he saw nothing in the church that was different from that of the world. And because of that, he knew all that Christianity had to offer and it had nothing for him. He went to find something greater. Are we people who profess faith but don't live it? Has the church become, has Christianity become um, a, 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 a label more than a life? I'm part of the Christian right, if you will. Is it just a label? Is it political label, economic label? Is it whatever label you want to say or is it an actual lifestyle? Yes, the, the words are, if you um, believe in your heart and profess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you're saved. And guess what? I believe that. But the word also says, show me a faith without deeds and I show you a dead faith. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have those leaves on you, then you by golly better have fruit. You better be living that life, living that faith. And bringing the kingdom now. Christ says, hey, not everybody who says Lord, Lord is going to be saved. There are going to be people who have leaves on. But no fruit. So the question is, where are we? As an institution, as a body, as a person. It's a question that makes you stop and, and really look deep into where you are. Now, look, there's a second part of this that is so much harder to tackle than the first part. It's the prayer part. And Jesus is preparing the disciples for something that's coming, the crucifixion, his death, the cave. A time when they run away to the upper room and they're freaked out because the Messiah is gone. They need courage. They need strength. And so he's giving them these words. If, if you pray and say to the mountain, go into the sea, God will move it into the sea. And look, I got to tell you, there's a, there's a lot here. 
And I also have to tell you, I don't have time for it. Yeah, sorry. But I will sum up. If you want to hear it all, go to 9.30 service online. Listen to it. Um, I hate that I'm doing this, but I have to. Uh, look, for me, because the, the key word, the key verse there that gets people really, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That's the big one, right? That's, that's the big one that you struggle with. Because you believe, I believe, I'm praying for this, I'm asking for this in prayer, and yet... Nothing. I want this cancer to be gone from so-and-so, and and yet there it is. I believe. I have a dear friend who just lost her grandmother, and the last week was not a good one. It was more pain than they could manage with drugs. And I prayed, and she prayed, and her whole family was praying that God would just take her. She was ready. At least take the pain away. And yet it went on day after day after day. I got to tell you, this is a godly woman. A woman who so many, who everyone who knew her looked up to her, even though she's like this tall. But day after day. But Jesus says, if you believe and pray, then it will be given you. So what do you do with that? We were told early on in Grace's life that she wasn't healed because we didn't believe enough. Yeah. How bad did I want to punch that person in the throat? We were told that we weren't praying enough because she wasn't healed. For all intents and purposes, the, the, the person really had our best interests at heart, but I don't think they got it. I was on my knees night after night, praying for multiple miracles in Grace's life. You know what? I can stand here today, almost six years out, and say she walks, she eats. People said that would never happen. She understands so much, but she can't tell us a thing. And it drives her nuts. And it makes her angry and lash out at us. And it drives us nuts. And it makes us angry and lash out at her and each other. And it's a cyclical pressure of will it or won't it. Give her words, God. Relieve us from this tension. We believe. Let it happen. And so I I say, what do I do with that? While she doesn't speak yet, I believe one day that she will. Will it be on this side of heaven? I don't know. I hope so, because I think she has a whole lot to tell us. But I believe it will happen. But I also know not a single prayer that I have prayed for or over my daughter has been wasted. Not one of them has God not heard. Not one of them has not been answered. 
in some way. Just maybe not the way that I thought it would be. You see, if we got everything we ever prayed for, and, and let's be honest, some things in our world scale you would see as big. Look, if, if we had access to this godly ATM machine, we would be worthless. Right? We would be horrible people. We'd all like to think that we'd all use our power for good. And we would for some. Some of you are smiling way too broadly. If we could say, you know what? I can go for some coffee right now. God? Coffee. Nice. I'm kind of hungry. God, could I have a banana right now? Oh, thanks. God loves us too much to give us that power. So, if you believe and you pray, it will be given you. What do you do with that? What I believe is every prayer that I have prayed over my daughter has been answered. Not necessarily in the way that I understand, get, or want, but it has been answered. If anything, my prayers have given me strength to get through the day that I have prayed them. God, give her words because we can't take this anymore. Eh, here you go. Get through the day, son. Get through the day. The fact of the matter is that as I fall on my knees and cry out for help, I am filled with his spirit. And I become a tree standing by the road that doesn't just have leaves on it, but it begins to sprout a little bit of fruit. And maybe as I continue to seek his will and to search and to cry out and to be in relationship with him, I become stronger for myself, for my family, for the kingdom. I guess I ask you this question. Where are you? Where are you? With these two insanely difficult passages. Are you a tree by the side of the road who looks pretty, but has nothing? I think it's time we really ask ourselves this. As a church, as a body, as a believer... Do we turn to God as an ATM machine? Are we happy being fruitless trees? Or do we long to be in relationship with him, bringing forth the kingdom, the love, the mercy, the grace, the peace, the kindness, the healing that this world knows? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your Son. We thank you for his life, for his teachings. Sometimes we don't completely grasp them. And we ask that you would teach us what you long for us to know from them. God, we pray that you would help us to be the kind of person who doesn't just say we believe. But to the very core of who we are, it is who we are. God, help us. To not just give lip service to the kingdom, but to make it a lifestyle. God, we thank you and praise you 
In the name of Jesus. Amen.